Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. All right, everybody. We are live with that combat cast. And uh, as we uh, lower that there. <laughs> and uh, we're ready to talk about some news, some fights coming up. But before we do, Chevy, tell them what's coming up on the program. All right, February 25th, we'll be previewing UFC Fight Night Krylov versus Span. That's an exciting uh, matchup. And then March 4th, we're back with the UFC 285, the pay-per-view uh, Jones versus Gone. Huge, huge heavyweight fight for the uh, new heavyweight title since Nganu has vacated. Mm. And then March 11th, we're back with a... Bantamweight fight, I am super excited for. Uh, UFC Fight Night, Jan versus Dvalish Vili. Marab yeah. versus Pieter. So. Yeah, Marab versus Jan is a great stylistic matchup. Um, I got to tell you, they're doing Jan no favors. No. Uh, oh, this is like the worst matchup I think you could have gave Jan. <laughs> yeah, but also, I think this is the worst matchup for Marab, too. I, I think he runs through almost everyone else in that division, but Jan poses a very difficult task for him. So Yeah, they almost cancel each other out, which sometimes makes a boring fight or sometimes ends up being this awesome striking fight when these two wrestlers count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll see, but... Uh, we, we just have one piece of news we want to talk about really quick. Uh, who knows how accurate it is, but apparently Aldo and Mayweather are in talks for a uh, boxing match. We know Aldo has already had his first pro boxing match, uh, which he won by decision. And then he is in, uh, he's scheduled to fight Jeremy Stevens on Jorge Masvidal's boxing uh, event. And now he's in talks with Floyd Mayweather for an exhibition bout. Yeah, I mean, um, I like to see Aldo keep him busy. He's one of my favorite uh, guys from the UFC. I hope he has a little bit of success doing this. Uh, We said off air, I said, you know, it's very unlikely. Nothing would make me more happy in this world if uh, Aldo somehow KO'd Floyd Mayweather. Just because, you know, Floyd always just picks these fights. And Aldo's just such just constant warrior it would just be he would be the guy and and by the way as long as floyd keeps doing this there will be a day where he just runs out of luck like somebody's gonna catch this guy you know just what happens yeah you know what i just thought about when you said that is connor couldn't knock him out obviously there's a little bit between aldo and connor i know they're friendly now but uh do we get a boxing match between Aldo and, and McGregor after that? If he somehow managed to manages to knock out Floyd or beat Floyd, that'd be oh, interesting. Man. I think you could almost bring Aldo back in an MMA fight against Connor at that point. If Aldo wanted to do it and Connor would probably definitely attract him. Yeah. I, the size difference between them at this point is so huge. I don't know if that's really feasible, but Aldo certainly an interesting storyline. Like yeah. Aldo was like, yeah, I'll get fat for that. 
but, but that was good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let, let's uh, talk about last week's card, UFC 284. Um, we're just going to go over the main card. Not too much going on on the prelims. Uh, first fight, Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menafield. All right. Uh, great fight to open up this card. Really back and forth. Um, at the end of the day, majority draw. Um, I think you should run this one back. But uh, there's a point in this here. I want to bring up where uh, Alonzo was fence grabbing, but Mark Goddard, um, you know, he called for uh, the fence grab. He basically took a point away and that affected this fight. And I say good for Mark Goddard because I think in situations like this, when you're doing something like that, it's clearly affecting the fight. And even with a low blow, even if it's clearly an accident, if it's affecting the outcome of the fight, that's not, your opponent's fault that's still up to you at the end of the day you know i get into a car accident and you know i didn't stop and i rear end you i'm still probably at fault i still probably going too fast you know so um good on goddard i hope we see more stuff like this even though people probably weren't a fan of the majority draw but great fight i hope they run it back if they don't I'd say either one of these guys would make an interesting fight for Paul Craig, who's on a two-fight losing streak right now and could mm-hmm. make a big fight. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they should run this one back. I agree with you about Mark Goddard taking the point. I mean, they're, they know the rules when they go in there. You know, They don't need to be hearing a bunch of warnings. If it was a fence grab where it didn't look like Crute was really going to get the takedown, I understand giving him a warning. Uh, but he was already on his way down. That fence grab completely stopped him from being taken down, changed the course of the fight. Um, and obviously, Crute's ground game is where he was uh, most comfortable because he was getting pieced up on the feet. So uh, that made a big change to the fight. Uh, Mark took the point, and I, I think that was the right call. I'm okay with the draw. I, I, I don't have... Um, I don't know if either fighter gets their win bonus or whatever when it comes to draws. That's the only thing that makes me a little bit wary of them, but I'm okay with fighters going to draws uh, scorecard wise for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that was the right call personally uh, with the point being taken, you know, uh, Alonzo was definitely doing well on the feet. I'm shocked that this went to decision to be honest with you. I, I yeah. predicted a finish for sure. And, and I thought we we're going to get it, but Jimmy Crute just has uh, a great chin on him. Uh, he ate a lot of jabs, a lot of heavy punches from Menafield. Uh, he landed a few, not as many as I thought he would, but uh, the ground game is where he, he should have won the fight. Um, but, you know, I hope they run it back. If not, Paul Craig is a good matchup, but I really would like to see them run this one back. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on. To uh, when we did get a finish in Justin Taffa versus uh, our Connecticut local Parker Porter. Not good day for the local uh, Justin Taffa. Um, <laughs> this was about as definitive as it gets. All his victories, I believe, are by KO. Uh, he's still very new to the game. Not a lot really to say. It was just two heavyweights stepped right up there, clanging and banging, and Taffa took him out. Um, I'll throw a crazy matchup idea because this is not really probably a guy ranking wise. He should be even getting, but a fun fight guy that probably needs a win. Derek Lewis, 
Tafa's probably like the perfect style guy for him. Lewis is on a three fight, four fight losing streak. Dana loves him. This would be kind of a bounce back fight, probably. No offense to Tafa, but then again, when you hit like he does, anything can happen. So, right, yeah, I think matchup wise, that'd be good. That the UFC definitely wants Derek Lewis to get a win um, because he's so exciting. But you, he's only marketable if he, you know. There's a chance he's winning these fights, and at this point, it, it's a slim chance. So I think matchup wise, that's good for him. They're looking for a UFC or for a Black Beast win, so that could be a good one. And if not, if he loses, that skyrockets skyrockets right. Justin Taffa, um, who in his own right is an exciting fighter. Like you said, all his wins are by knockout finish. So you put a guy like that, a strong guy too. Next thing you know. He, uh, he shoots to the rankings. Now you're looking at a fight with him and a guy like Tai Tuavasa, too, who's mm-hmm. also a lot of fun. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, as far as the fight with Parker Porter, I, I think Parker was just a little too willing to trade on the feet with someone he had a uh, noticeably large advantage on the ground over. So uh, I think that's just kind of poor game planning or uh, you know fight IQ there. Uh, someone with his experience shouldn't be making a mistake like that. I think he just either underestimated tough on the feet or overestimated his own game on the feet. Uh, yeah, as a pretty well-rounded ground game, I think he should have taken him down. But, you know, I'm not a fighter. I don't know. But in 50-50 for hindsight. But good luck to him going forward. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get cut. I know he, he has a few losses. So hopefully they keep him around. All right, move on to uh, another super exciting fight. Very excited for this fight when it got announced and it delivered for sure. Jack Della Maddalena versus Randy Brown. Man, I think Jack is about as sharp as he can be right now. Like everywhere this fight goes, whether it's on the ground, whether it's on his feet, like he is just super impressive. Um, I'm very interested what this guy can do. Uh, as I mean, I'll let you kind of elaborate a little more on him, but like, as far as uh, a, a future opponent too, whenever you got a guy that looks like this sharp to me, this tough, bring out all reliable Neil Magny. Where are you at? Welterweight division. Neil Magny will take on anybody. This guy wants to move up the rankings. I'd say that's a fight to make. Yeah, that's a, an awesome fight to make actually. Um, Poor Neil Magny, though, can't catch a break. But uh, uh, Vicente Luque is one I was... And actually, I think somebody else mentioned that. Like, Jack may have mentioned it himself. Yeah. But I think uh, matchup-wise, that's a good progression uh, up the rankings for him. Matchup-wise, exciting matchup, too. Two super great strikers. Um, but as far as the fight against Randy Brown, Randy Brown looked excellent when this fight started. Mm-hmm. He looked fantastic using movement and his range, but Jack was just patient enough and marched him down. And when he found that opening, he had the touch of death. I mean, as soon as he touched him, Randy's feet were going all over the place. And, you know, he was one punch and he was already finished. So Jack jumped on his back and finished him with a rear naked choke. But really it was that right hand that, uh, that finished the fight. So the only guy I feel like is looking as impressive elsewhere to me in terms of everywhere it was like Bo Nickel, but Bo Nickel has not had this kind of level of competition yet. Right. You know, we're seeing Bo at early age with, where he's like, he's handling people like on the feet and, and, you know, on the mat, obviously, you know, real quick. 
Uh, Jack's looking just sharp everywhere, but he's taken on already like top 15 guys. So we'll see. Yeah. Or or a Cosmot. You know what? I'm I'm yeah. picturing this as a Cosmot before Cosmot fought Gilbert Burns. We need Jack to fight somebody who's going to give him a fight like Gilbert Burns did. Sure. We, we need to see, you know, when he gets finally pushed to those deep waters, uh, what he's made of. I have full confidence in the guy at this point. I think he's the truth. Um, but that that's his only question mark at this part. He looks so dominant. We just need to see if the fight makes it past the first and second round, what he's made of. Sidebars. To my have done it welterweight right now? Do we know? I mean, he hasn't said for sure, but I, I have heard talks, people talking about uh, he's probably done. He's just going to go on to 185. I mean, when you miss weight by eight pounds, whether yeah. the UFC was involved or not, you know, conspiracy theorists, um, <laughs> I just think he's just too big. Every picture you see of him on social media, he's even bigger than he was before. So I think maybe he's just, yeah, I think maybe he's just trying to solidify 185 as his main title. Yeah. And like you said, I think he might be big enough to go between 185 and 205 person possibly so right. we'll see but uh yeah i th- i would assume he's probably done at 170 unless he gets a title shot or i know they were talking about that colby covington fight that would be a huge fight too mm-hmm. i don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he tries to make it for one of those giant fights if but... he could do the 170 for a little while like man this is a guy that could be like a three division champion though like he's got the potential like when you look at the current landscape like there's no right. He has the skills. For yeah, sure. and and Pahara and Jamal Hill. When you talk about you know against the grappling of a guy like Jamayev, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to the co-main event: Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Man, I couldn't have been happier. Uh, I like Emmett, but uh, Yair Rodriguez. I was saying it last week on the show. I've been saying it for a while. Yair. Um, I say it all the time. Like, he's a guy we talk about. You can look at it as a negative. He takes a lot of time off between fights. But every time this guy comes back, he looks better and better. I feel like there was this problem he had a couple years ago with the UFC where uh, he didn't want to take one of their fights. And I feel like almost he's taken the boxing motto where he's trying to build himself up. He got a win over the Korean Zombie. Super exciting fight where he finished in the last second. And ever since then, I think he bought himself some goodwill. And, you know, he's been able to take time off. And he's doing one fight a year. And every time he comes back, he looks exciting. So UFC doesn't really bother him. And now he's the interim featherweight champ. I'm so proud of this guy just because of the way you can see all the work he puts in. He talked about after this fight what a warrior Josh Emmett was. And, you know, that... You know, don't ever doubt yourself. You're a warrior. You're going to be back. This guy's a class act, despite the fact that he's been emotional at times. I think he's he was young. I think he's just passionate. But I think at the end of the day, like, he's a good guy. And uh, I'm really excited to see him in this position. Uh, there's no question the next fight for him is Volkanovski. Um, uh, whether Volkanovski, you want to do a rematch with Islam down the road, obviously, I think Volkanovski now, especially since he doesn't have lightweight gold, he wants to keep his featherweight gold. This is the fight to make. And I will say this, although I'm going to favor Volkanovski because the guy to me looked like he just hung in with the best fighter in the world pound for pound, clearly, and some people thought he won. 
I did it. We'll get to that in a minute. Yair put on the kind of performance. And again, he keeps getting better and better. I can't totally dismiss him against a guy like Volk. Like, it'll be an interesting fight. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I mean, originally uh, last week I picked Emmett to win, but I wanted Yair to win. So I'm glad that he did win. He looked dominant. Um, like you said, the the improvements he makes between each fight are just leaps and bounds. Um, he looks so great. He looks super composed. Uh, obviously he used his reach very well and picked when he would engage in those uh, dangerous combination uh, phone booth fighting fights with Emmett. So he picked the right time. Emmett just could not get in on him. Uh, he looked pretty defeated uh, pretty early on. So as far as uh, Volkanovsky, I think, stylistically he poses a very difficult puzzle for Volkanovsky for sure. If he can use his reach, uh, which he has phenomenal reach, especially uh, with all the kicks he throws, if he can use his reach to keep Volkanovsky away from him, you know, he could outpoint him um, and maybe frustrate him and hurt him. Um, With that being said, Volkanovsky, obviously if he's not pound for pound, number one, depending on whatever rankings you're looking at today, uh, he he's number two. So, uh, you know, we know Yair's wrestling used to be his weak game, but also he's shown great improvements with submissions off his back. Obviously, he tapped out Emmett, but just the amount of attempts he's thrown up, if you look back to the Ortega fight, he looks very active off his back now. So, I don't know. I, I'm excited for that fight for sure. W- much more excited for it after watching this fight than I was beforehand. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, here's the man. Super exciting guy to watch. Uh, I do agree with you. I think he's matured quite a bit. Uh, super classy in his win. And I think he's where he belongs now. So, I'm looking yeah. forward to that uh, unification bout. All right, so let's talk about the uh, featherweight champ and the lightweight champ, Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Man, it all go. It all boils down to what does ground control mean? And we've been, I think, brought up the fact that if you can hold a guy down, whether it's exciting or not, he's winning the fight, right? Even if he's not doing a ton with it. Now, those are the rules of the sport that we watch. That's as far as we know, right? But um, there seems to be a big debate about that, and it probably has to do where the rules are a little unclear state to state sometimes, too. Um, This was a competitive fight at the end of the day, too. Um, All these rounds were close, and I did not walk away thinking that, like, Islam... I walked away thought Islam won. I didn't necessarily walk away that he was clear-cut the better fighter. I remember saying to myself, if this was... Like, we only do five rounds. But if this was like longer and we had more rounds, like Volk is looking like the stronger guy at times. By the way, that's not a knock on Islam because as tired as Islam was looking, he, like great champions, found a way to switch up another gear when he had to, as did Volk. What I saw was two fighters that were very evenly, evenly matched. And I saw the wrestling being the difference this time. Um is Volk 
the kind of guy, you know, if they meet again now, he's kind of, you know, downloaded this and he's going to be better off. Maybe. But is Islam the kind of guy, you know, like it's the kind of fight I'd love to see again. Um, that being said, we're not going to do this right away. That's just not how these things work. Um, I'd be shocked anyway. Um, I'd say Volk is going to defend that featherweight title. And uh, since I've picked an opponent for everyone else, I'm going to say Islam, give him as close as you can for a money fight. Like Connor's not going to probably be available anytime soon. We don't know when Connor's coming back. It's going to be Chandler. He's got to win that fight too. He could fight the winner of that. But I would say Dustin Poirier's waiting around. Poirier's still looking good. He's coming off that victory over Chandler. I'd say Poirier, <laughs> I mean, I know he's got title shots before, but guys, when you look at the rankings, like, He's the guy I would say to go to next. Right. He always beats the guy coming up to be the contender. You know, he kind of stops yeah. those guys. And, and also never fought before. Just right. that out there too. Yeah. So. And matchup wise, like I, I think that's a good matchup because Dustin's boxing is so great, but mm-hmm. he has the range that Volkanovsky lacked. Um, he's very strong. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'd be down for that fight for sure. But going back to uh, to Islam and Alexander, I really would like to see this fight again. I know we won't see it again immediately. I don't think we should because Volkanovski should go back to featherweight to defend that title. But if we saw this again, I think we need one more time to really determine who the best fighter is. I think both guys, and, and Volkanovski talked about this in his post-fight interview in the cage, I think both guys underestimated each other. Volkanovski underestimated Islam's striking, and Islam underestimated Volkanovski's grappling, as did I. His wrestling and grappling was uh, super impressive to me. But um, which guy makes the better adjustments going forward from there? Uh, whoever does that, I think I think we could see a fairly dominant performance from one or the other in a second fight. But uh, Right now, we'll just talk about that first fight. So, yeah, like you said, super close fight. I also agree with you. I had Islam winning the fight, um, but three to two, you know, very close fight. Wouldn't have been upset if it had been called the other way for sure. But really, it comes down to what you said, that control time. And you can think that there's nothing really happening and, you know, that that's the way the rules are. Unfortunately, you know, I don't disagree with that. Do I think that you should be able to win around by just holding onto someone's back? Like, yes, that's a dangerous position, but it's also, I think it says more about Islam's inability to finish Volkanovsky when he has him in a body triangle and has his back for three minutes. than it does about, you know, Volkanovski losing. I, I think it's more impressive to be able to fight something like that off. It's such a disadvantageous position for Volkanovski for him to be able to sur- survive says more to me than being able to hold him down there. I think there needs to be a way that maybe we could grade this where we you give ample time and we look at it and we go, okay, you're dominant or okay. You're not advancing. You can't escape. This is kind of just a stalemate. Give this guy a point for a takedown, but nothing else is happening. Right. If you're just holding him, then we should just call this a takedown. But if you're holding him and you're trying to work and do stuff and the other guy can't do anything at all, 
okay, then maybe add some more control. Time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, that's why the 10 point must system does not really work for the right. sport. So, you know, until they come up with something different, this is what we have. So, with what we have, Islam won that fight, I think. Um, you know, I know the third round was the sway round, and um, Islam landed the the more significant punches on the feet. Um, and then obviously have the control on the ground. So I, I think uh, a lot of people are swayed a little bit by the, the underdog uh, mentality for Volkanovsky because you expect less from him because he's a featherweight. Um, I, I tried to take that out of it and I tried to be objective because obviously I wanted Volkanovsky to win. I didn't think he was going to, but I wanted him to. And uh, so I try to be as, as objective as possible. I think Islam won. So yeah. we go from here. I, I think that uh, you're right. Poirier is next. Uh, but what I'm most excited for, and I'm hoping will happen. I'm a big fan of Charles Oliveira, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. that this fight he, ha- he has against Dariush. Dariush has had to walk through the fire to yeah. get this close to a title shot. I hope he beats Charles Oliveira. And I hope he gets a chance against Islam because I think matchup wise, he poses the biggest threat to Islam um, stylistically. So that's what I am very excited to see. If we see that next year, I'd be super happy. We shall see. And uh, speaking of Charles Overa, I know you're, uh, let's get to this fight night card because I have a little Overa footnote in one of these fights. So. All right, so uh, this fight night card is now for uh, our third main event is going to be Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield. Um, this will be a 7 p.m. Eastern card, so thank you, Dana White. We love you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get right into it. We're going to just go into the main card. So Jim yeah. Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. Hernandez, 13 and 6, 6 KOs, 2 subs, 5 decisions, performance of the night. Uh, he's got wins over Cowboy Cerrone and Benil Dariush, <laughs> who was his first win. Now, I will throw out this is the infamous fight in the sense where uh, it looked like they were going to do a glove touch, and Hernandez ended up just clocking Dariush. Yes. And not to really crap on Hernandez, I know it was about, but. It is interesting. Hernandez has won some, lost some since then, and Darius has gone on a tremendous winning streak. So I, in retrospect, I do think that affected that fight. That also was – Darius has made changes to his style since then too. He would get touched and instantly just start brawling, and he's right. kind of toned that down a little bit since then too. So, But Hernandez, uh, he's got no easy task here. I think this is actually the perfect fight for him. Uh, Jim M- Miller. 35-16, one no contest, six KOs, 19 subs, 10 decisions, three-fight win streak for Jim Miller, who's on the latter end of his career. Most wins in UFC history, most bouts in UFC history, most finished at lightweight, second most subs in UFC with Damian Maya. The only other guy that has more is Charles over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a perfect fight in the sense that I think Jim Miller is very capable of beating Alex Hernandez. I think Hernandez is capable of getting this window. Hernandez's thing, I think, has always been mental a lot of ways. Like, can you listen to his fights? He's had confidences, confidence issues, I think, at times. Like, he sounds like he has confidence, but then when he shows up, he doesn't seem to always show up. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think this is a real crossroads fight for this kid. 
And uh, as much as I like Jim Miller, and I'm always going to root for Jim Miller, I think this will be Hernandez's night. I think he needs to make improvements. I think he needs to start showing it. And I think he'll get it done. I think it'll be a TKO probably round two. Um, he could get a decision, and it could be kind of a lackluster fight possibly. That's not really Jim Miller's style, but that would do nothing for him. He needs to really make a statement here. Um, but again, Jim Miller is a veteran. He's a dog. If Hernandez doesn't show up especially, or even if he does, Jim Miller can get this done. So, But uh, I'm going to go Hernandez, uh, round two, TKO. Yeah, so like you said, Jim Miller has three wins in a row, and Alex is desperate for a win for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Father Time is going to come for Jim Miller soon. Um, he's 39 years old. He says he wants to make it to UFC 300, so we're we're getting close. But um, it will Father Time will come for him soon. But I think that he can weather the early blitz from Alex mm-hmm. and get it to the ground and tire Alex out. Alex is a short notice replacement. So he didn't really have a camp going into this. So the likelihood of his cardio being able to match up to Jim Miller's is, is diminished. So think about that. You're right. um, I'm going to say Jim Miller gets it done. Tires him out, gets a round three sub. Okay. Knowing that (laughs) I'm going to change my pick (laughs) and I'm going to go Miller. (laughs) This is such a sad story. Now I'm going Miller submission round two and uh that'll be three fights in a row that uh hernandez has lost too so he'll probably get cut and Sorry, he really Alex, needs to win i, had, I don't I think really, they'll cut him because short of short notice, notice. yes That's true. that that would be his saving grace so yeah all right we'll move on to uh another connecticut local uh william knight uh versus marcin Prashino. i that's probably not how it's pronounced but i've never seen the gentleman fight so i haven't heard his name pronounced Machine. He is 15 and 6, 11 KOs, one sub, three decisions, and he's two and four in the UFC. William Knight, 11 and 4, nine KOs, two decisions. He's lost two in a row. Uh, he does hold a victory over Alonzo Menafield, and uh, mm-hmm. he's three and three in the UFC. He's the hometown guy. I really don't know who to pick in this one, so I'm going to go with my heart. So let's go, Willie. Um, looking at these two, they both have. A good amount of KOs to their credit. So I'll say Willie gets done. Uh, we'll go round two. I, mean, I don't know. I like to go round two. So TKO. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough one to call. Both guys tend to brawl. So this could be a matter of who gets clipped first, I think. Um, and, you know, I like to pick the local guy. So I'm going with William Knight also. And I will also pick round two KO. There we go. All right. So we'll move on to a couple of heavyweights. Josh Parisian versus Jamal Pogues. All right, uh, Jamal. Um, oh, hold on a second here. No, hold on, guys. This is Jamal's USC debut. Yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. I do have Jamal here. All right. Jamal is nine and three, uh, four KOs, one sub, four decision. He's coming off the contender series. Mm-hmm. He's won five out of six. All right. Josh is 15 and five, uh, 11 KOs, two subs, two decisions. He's two and two. Uh, and he's uh, from the Contender Series as well. So two and two in the UFC. Um, I like Jamal. Um, there's something about, you know, just coming off the Contender Series right now, winning five out of those last six. Um, I think this is going to be a good showcase for him. Should be a tough fight, though, but uh, I'll take Jamal. Um, decision. 
Yeah, I think this is a. I think Jamal's getting a tough matchup for his debut personally. Um, yeah, Josh is two and two, but he's looked pretty good in his fights. He's just gotten clipped, so um, it's heavyweight though. Yeah, it's heavyweight, so yeah. anyone can get clipped. I'm gonna go with Josh. I think he gets it done. I'll say round one KO. I think both guys just kind of come out swinging. Yeah, okay. All right, move on to our co-main event: Jordan Wright versus Zach. Wega. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it, but I can't remember. I know the guy's been around too. I yeah. feel bad. Well, Zach is he's five and one. He's got one KO and four decision wins. Um, I think he was might have been on the contenders, uh, the ultimate fighter series, because he lost his UFC debut to uh Mohammed Usman in 36 mm-hmm. seconds. So he lost to Usman's right. So this is his first fight back. Um, and it's against Jordan Wright, right? Who's 12, 4, and 1, 7 KOs, 5 subs and is on a three-fight losing streak himself. Jordan needs this victory, and I would say they both need this, uh, even though this would only be Zach's second loss, but coming off that, making your debut and getting clipped in 30-something seconds, I believe, 36 seconds. Uh, So I'm going to go with experience. I'm going to go with Jordan Wright. I'm going to say he gets it done, and I'm going to say it's a KO. And I'm going to say, kind of like you said about the last fight, these guys are both going to be hungry to finish this. So round one, uh, Jordan Wright. Yeah, is Jordan Wright the new smiling Sam Alvey where he can get all these losses and stay in the UFC? Uh, he's got three in a row right now. Let's yeah, see. He's, I mean, he's, he's lost, lost four of his yeah. last five. And right. Three straight finishes, too. Yeah. So I, I think the only thing that's keeping it, keeping him in the UFC is that every single one of his fights goes to finish, which is exciting. Right. Uh, no decisions will keep you in Dana's good graces. So um, he is an exciting, especially striker. His nickname is the Beverly Hills Ninja. So that is also great for him. But um, I, I think the only reason he hasn't been cut is because he's never been to decision. So I think this is actually a good matchup for him though. Uh, Zach isn't known as a finisher and the chances of him making it to the end of three rounds against Jordan is very low, uh, just because all the shit that Jordan's going to throw at him. So, uh, I think I, uh, I'm going to go with Jordan as well. I'll say round two KO. All right. Round two KO. Right. Um, and that's going to take us to the main event. Yeah. Let's talk about this main event. This, uh, you know, it's kind of a mess of a card that, that was had three different main events uh, put together, but I think that this one is actually very exciting. So we're, we're going to see Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield, up and comer Aaron Blanchfield versus proven winner Jessica Andrade. Andrade is twenty four and nine, nine KOs, eight subs, seven decisions. She's on a three fight win streak, but her last loss before that was just Ivanko, uh, former strawweight champion, and she's tied for most finishes. Um, at strawweight with Rose and Amanda Lemos. So uh, she's just the best of the best, honestly. And uh, Blanchfield, she's 10 and one, TKO, two TKOs, three subs, five decisions. She's on a seven fight win streak. Um, she's about as good as a prospect you can get. Um, she's coming off a very dominant victory over Molly McCann, who has looked very impressive in her last couple of fights in, in his very game. But there's a difference between a very game Molly McCann who comes to fight and has a lot of promise herself and going against Jessica Andrade, who's already shown she can hang and she's been in there with some of the best. Now she might've lost in 
lost some got finished at times too against some of the best, but she's also she's also finished some of the best. So um this is a chance for Blanchfield to really make a statement. She's got really strong wrestling. You're also going against somebody with really strong jujitsu. And who's really strong? So we're yeah, gonna find one of out. one of the most powerful women fighters in the UFC. Yeah, we're gonna find out how strong Blanchfield is here. Um I find myself kind of rooting for Blanchfield in the sense that I like this up and comer with a chance to pull it off. I'm not dismissing her because there is this great unknown. Like Chris Ride Weidman was undefeated and he was going against Anderson Silva and he, we didn't know what he was capable of, right? We had to figure that out and he he did good. Maybe Blanchfield will do the same. But until I see otherwise, I will go with Jessica Andrade. And I will go with a second round finish. I will give Blanchfield the dignity of going to round two. But I think the more she takes her, tries to take her down, she's going to get clipped here and there. And then she's going to probably eventually get tapped out in some kind of submission. Yeah, I'm very, very high on Aaron. Um, She was my female fighter of the year to keep an eye out for. Um, I think she can be champ in the next couple of years, but Jessica on short notice is maybe the hardest matchup outside of fighting the champ Valentina. Um, so after this fight, we're certainly going to know how good Aaron Blanchfield is regardless of whether she wins or loses. We're going to know exactly where she's at. Cause Jessica is going to test her in every way imaginable, um, especially with her striking and cardio. Uh, she's going to push the pace on Aaron for sure. Um, but, uh, I believe Aaron's going to make it to the end of the fight. I think she'll make it to decision, but I think Jessica's forward pressure and volume is just going to win. Uh, she's going to tag Aaron up a bit, but I think Aaron's pretty tough. She can take some shots. She's still young. She hasn't been beaten up. So I think her chin will be able to handle it, but I'm going to go with Jessica Andrade, uh, V decision. All right. I like that. We'll see what happens. Um, but regardless, I mean, and it is Andrade taking this fight on short notice too. So who knows what Andrade? I mean, I don't. I, it's actually kind of surprising that Andrade is stepping up to take on. We should give her credit for that too. She's yeah. stepping up on trying to take on this young prospect and putting her name and everything on the line. Uh, that has uh, a lot of guts right there, right? Because she uh, arguably could have been next in line. This was probably you know the number one contender fight, and she would be next without even having to fight another fight. She would fight after that but you know she's skipping the line i'm sure she's supremely confident in her abilities to win um which she should be she's uh you know world world class so absolutely we'll see what happens yeah so uh let's see february 25th usc fight night kryloff versus span super exciting matchup and then finally the return of john jones march 4th ufc 285 john jones versus cyril gan heavyweight title and then March 11th, UFC Fight Night, Jan versus Dvalishvili. All right. Some great big fights coming up, folks. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you at ringside. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please 
continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 